Welcome to episode 13 of the Condor Climbing Cast. In this episode, I talked to Grady Fitzgerald. This is Grady's second appearance on the podcast, and I think we got into a lot of important concepts that I had been thinking about lately, and it was so good to catch up with him and talk to him about how it's been being the head coach of the ROKC climbing team. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, it's been it's been odd for me uh, coming back and not coaching for a bit because I feel like like with identity like that's definitely one that like is kind of like I've latched onto a bit you know yeah so it's been a little bit uncomfortable mm-hmm I feel that it's been like uh, yeah it's kind of felt it's just felt off you know like hard to get back into the groove yeah because that was such like a a groovy part of, of being here was like, okay, I've got these people that I'm working with, um, this week and then like everything else kind of just works around it. But now it's just like, okay, I can do anything. I can rock climb. (laughs) What did I do? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially coming back from like a big trip where you weren't really coaching that much. And now you come back to this place where you started it all, you know? It's kind of strange. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I totally get that. It's been like leaning into the, like leaning into the fun, trying to have some fun, rock climbing, mm-hmm. and just like climbing a lot. Like yeah. I've been climbing a lot more than I usually do, which has been cool. Nice. Like actually like my my skin like hurting and like, <laughs> <laughs> which is always a sign that I'm like climbing a lot, which is definitely cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how's, how's it been because you, you've been into the groove of, of coaching for yeah a good bit now. Yeah, it's been kind of weird, honestly. <laughs> Why has it been weird? I just, like, it was a strange transition for me um, to go from... It's mainly, like, the the leading the team kind of thing, you know. it's I still get to coach. It's a different hat. Yeah, but I've got, like... <laughs> got like real responsibility for it like parents want to talk to me and (laughs) you know I have to interface with like the gym in some ways and kind of communicate there in a way that I never had to do and I was just volunteering for it um yeah it's been different yeah but what is like the what has been some of the like lessons that like at first you're like oh but now you feel like you have it dialed a little bit yeah definitely like communicating where practice is (laughs) that's a big one that would be that would be a big one yeah i i definitely kind of overestimated not like people's knowledge but just sort of willingness to just trust that if they haven't gotten an update it's the same as it's always been (laughs) yeah you get a lot of like like if we do something kind of weird for the past couple weeks we were up north all week just because they had all the comp problems to work on Mm -hmm. and if you do that for two weeks in my head i'm just like okay i don't have to tell anyone that practice is at the underground on wednesday but come wednesday i get you know 10 text messages saying hey where's practice today (laughs) yeah so Stuff like that was a big learning curve. Just like little communication stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, mainly the communication stuff. I mean, being in the coaching groove has been fun. It's been interesting with the team getting so big. Yeah, how's that been? It's okay. Uh, you can't do the same thing as a, you know, as the head coach kind of, and even just as a coach in general, like, when you're coaching, you're probably working with two or three people max at a time, realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, like, ratios go, maybe one coach to five climbers is mm-hmm. pretty good. Even six climbers is fine. But, like, within that ratio, you're still only working with a couple people at one moment in time. Mm-hmm. And with the team getting so big, especially before uh, Sebastian was done with sports season and we had more help and stuff... Mm-hmm. 
and the volunteers are great, but they're, you know, not consistent. Mm -hmm. And so it was, there would be some practices where it's me and, like, 12 kids, and I'm like, I don't really know what to do, you know, I, I can... The best you walk can do around, almost yeah. is that. Yeah, you just, just like, kind of walk around and offer a pointer to somebody and then look around and there's somebody else and you're like, hey, try this. Hey, try this. Mm-hmm. It's just that for like three hours straight. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, model works really well, I feel like, for kids that are like really self-motivated. Mm-hmm. Like, that model's like great. Oh, yeah. I but, mean, it, it's... With the team growing and, like, trying to, you know, bring some of the more motivated kids from club up mm-hmm. onto team still, um, it's definitely kind of shown me why a lot of, like, larger gyms have that, you know, competition-level team and then, like, introductory-level mm-hmm. team. Like, mm-hmm. the separation between team and club is that what you were talking about with being self-motivated. Mm-hmm. And then the separation between, like, the higher-level team and the lower-level team is just sort of the level of self-motivation, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, the level of ownership is yeah. kind of where they're put. Yeah. And then, like, there is a difference between, like, competition and then, like, like really, like... Really elite. Competing. Yeah. Yeah, like, you're doing everything you can yeah. to get yourself, like, to dial up that stuff that you need to work on. Yeah, specifically for competition. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I've talked to the, the gym, essentially, about doing that and they're open to it at some point but um you know in doing that I'm also having to then come up with how I would split it mm-hmm. you know which kids would go in which area and that's kind of weird for me because it I want to put some of the higher achieving kids in the lower team just because they don't have that level of ownership sometimes I feel like it's also and it's weird <laughs> elite to me is like self-awareness yeah like elite level athlete is is a self-aware athlete yeah somebody who's willing to say like something's off today like right can i you know bounce some ideas off you and maybe you can help me understand why i'm feeling off today right it's like having the ownership but having the awareness to ask for help yeah or having the awareness to like just know kind of intuitively or lean into the feeling and like decide what you need to be doing yeah and the asking for help thing has been big too with the team getting big I've, I've had to like multiple times just sort of after practice say hey guys remember like if you need help you have to ask for it for the most part I, I don't think me and Sebastian are always going to be able to get around to every single person during practice like if you're struggling just reach out that's what we're here for kind of thing and yeah. I've actually kind of noticed that that's a big kind of a big deal for some kids is to reach out and ask for help and I mm-hmm. I guess I just have been a little removed from like my childhood right you know it's been a while since I've been a kid <laughs> um, it is a vulnerable thing to do to like really yeah. ask for help yeah to really say like I need help with this mm-hmm. can you help me um, and I I haven't really thought about it because I've just been like oh like some kids are better at it than others, and I'll mm. help the ones that are reaching out to ask for help, but it's, you gotta then go in and, like, make sure that the kids who aren't asking for help really don't need help, mm-hmm. and not that they're just sitting there wanting help but not asking for it. How do you promote, like, promote that, or make that, like, more prevalent with the kids that aren't asking for it, you know? I think the main thing I've tried to do lately is just, for one, that kind of announcement, you know, when we all are together after practice, I'll make an announcement occasionally and say, hey, remember to ask for help if you need help. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've noticed, actually, some kids just sort of get better at it from Mm -hmm. that. Um, Just, like, keeping the awareness there that, like, the help is there. Yeah. Hey, I'm still here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But another thing I've noticed is, like, if I go around, and I try and do this to every kid who shows up to practice every day, you know, mm. or just to every kid that shows up when they show up to say, hey, how's it going, man? What are you working on today? Checking in with them and just, like, seeing how they're doing. Yeah. And then kind of trying to remember the kids who always say, oh, I'm good, I'm, I'm fine, you know. I don't need anything. And right. then with that kid, then maybe 
a week or two in, be like, hey, you've said that for the past couple weeks now, you know? Are, are you working on something that you want to show me, or... Mm. So, it's, just trying to remember who's not asking for help, rather than who is. Right. Um, has been something that's been helpful, I think. That's a, that's a cool thing, too, that you're developing that, because that's like... That's a... Mm. That's like this development skill of, like, the head coach. Yeah. You have to, like, see everybody. Yeah. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny, too, because that was, like, um, like you're kind of, like, fully transitioning into, like, that role where, like, you know, you have kind of that specialist and then you have the head coach who's, like, kind of like the, the drone, like, yeah. above practice. Like, trying to make sure everybody's taken care of. Yeah. It's a very different, very different um, coaching dynamic. But equally as important as a specialist. Yeah. I am definitely kind of hoping that we get a new head coach at some point, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely not a, not a role I think I really want that much. Um, I think for at least just knowing you, like, as a climber and as a coach, like, you work really well under that, like, specialized... Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter the skill level, mm-hmm. but that, like, specialized treatment is, like, what you excel at. You can, like, yeah. really... You can really, like, find something that's happening and replicate it and help them, like, see it and, like, feel it. Yeah. Really quickly. And working... Really digging in to, like, a certain specific thing... Like very specific, yeah, yeah, very specific, very specific, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is like what I would say. Like that's like a specialist. It's somebody who like gets into the nitty gritty, but yeah. like gets the point across clear and doesn't settle for like. Because that's a hard thing. Is it's like you show someone something and you're like trying to, and they just they're not getting it, and it's like someone who's not a good coach will just like give up and be like, okay, well it's all right, but. I've seen you, like, you're not willing to just yeah. be like, <laughs> you'll, I don't know. you'll figure Do it this way. You'll figure out a way to, like, get, get it across. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, that's a good skill. That's an important skill. I think it's important, too, for, I mean, anybody that's coaching people to not look at it as, like, it has to happen at that moment in time kind of thing. Like, I, I've definitely been sitting at home you know two days after two or three days after practice with somebody where they just didn't get something and I couldn't communicate it effectively or whatever and I'll have an idea and I'll be like shit I'll try that Mm. on you know x practice or whatever and see if maybe that'll help them understand the same concept and oftentimes just coming back to it a second time like will really help especially Mm. with kids because they learn really fast most of the time like you know, you'll come back and you'll have this new idea and you'll be all psyched and ready to do it and they will have already just, like, internalized it and learned it somehow and they'll get it right first try and you're like, cool, okay, okay I had this really long, drawn-out idea, but you, you got it already, <laughs> you got it. you're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how that happens. Yeah. What has been, um, at least for the comp scene, like, competitions, what are, like, some of the themes that you've been seeing in both, like what kids excel, like, what style of climbing excels there? Is there, like, any themes that you're seeing? Mm, I think... I guess just, yeah, what style of climbing is excelling? Yeah, as far as, like, youth competitions, the younger you are, the more importance, I think or the, the more successful kids that are doing well at a younger age um, are oftentimes the kids that take their time a lot more. A lot of the younger climbs don't really rely all that much on strength at all. Just like intuitive. Yeah, it's a, it's a very... It's intuitive, but it's a very... Um, how do I say this? It's... It's not really balancey, but it's whether it's a slab climb or an overhanging climb, most of the time with younger kids, it's about like they'll get thrown off of a single move very easily. 
Um, and get off. Is there a lot of getting off sequence? Yeah, there's some of that. Um, I don't know. I don't. Th- I think with the younger kids, they often try and use like really big holds, and this is just a general comp trend. Is the holds are getting bigger, you know? So it's. Yeah. There's not even so much of a real established sequence that you can even pick out sometimes. Sometimes you're looking at it, and I'm looking at it like, well... I guess you just have to climb I'll that. see what happens, because <laughs> yeah. I am looking at it not knowing what to do. And Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, too, to look at it and realize that it's not built for me, you know, especially with the young kids, to see a climb and be like, I actually don't know how I would do that, and to watch right. them just get into this tiny little box and just kind of shuffle their way up it and make it look easy. Yeah. Um, I think the kids that are doing well, the kids that are really doing well in comps are the ones that are able to learn from a movement off the wall. Mm. I think that's the main skill that I've noticed is kind of lacking in a lot of kids is like they get off the wall and they're like, oh yeah, I should try this, I should try that. But mm-hmm. then they get on the wall and sometimes they don't try this or this or that. You know, mm-hmm. they just go back and do the same thing that they just did because intuitively that's what their body wants to do. Right. And so introducing a level of thought into that intuitive climbing is weird because mm. it's something that they've never thought about before. Right. Um, but just a, a level of like thoughtful presence in the moment of climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, has been something that I've been trying to teach, and I really don't know how, to be honest. It's something I just discovered in myself, and I noticed myself doing it, and being like, oh, like, I actually do really well sometimes when I'm thinking to myself while I'm climbing. I've had lots of climbs where I'll do a move, be like, I don't even know how that happened, but I'm probably not going to get the next one, and then I'll latch the next move, and then, oh... That's weird. I didn't think I was going to get that. Maybe I'll try the next one, see what happens, and then I latch it. And, you know, just having this sort of back and forth in my head sometimes is actually really helpful. Mm. Well, I think that that back and forth, because it's that that curiosity Mm. is is the most important part there, I feel like. Yeah, to really want to understand the climb. Mm -hmm. And and because that's like the antidote a lot of times to frustration is, like, flipping it and being curious about, like, why you came off the wall. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, something obviously didn't go right there. Yeah, like, I'm frustrated because I thought this would happen, and Mm -hmm. it didn't. And now, rather than continuing to get frustrated, just be like, huh, why did that happen? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a big part of that, like, off-climb, like, I fell, I'm gonna try again. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm not just going to, like, slam my head at the climb. I'm going to actually, like, take a second to figure out if if I should do it differently. Yeah. And with younger kids, they do slam their head at climbs, and it works. Yeah, that's true. It which is sometimes. kind of frustrating as a coach mm-hmm. because it's hard to convince someone to change something that works. Like a false positive? Yeah. It's like they have had success from just doing things a lot of times. And, you you know, you want to tell them as a coach, hey, like, that's not the best way to do it. I know it's been working for you, but there are other ways you can do this, and that's not necessarily the best one. But as a young kid, they're just like, nah, this works for me. Like, I'm going to stick with it. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's a total, I feel like it's... It's a total shift in mindset. Yeah, like almost, it just has to be learned by them experiencing, like, it not working. Yeah, a climb where you can't just continue to throw yourself at it. And I, feel, I feel like sports season... It's been helping, actually, with... Uh, something been that's helping? been helping. Something that's been helping is uh, convincing kids to get power spots, convincing mm-hmm. them to not always work something from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good skill to work on, just period, just yeah. to try single moves. Yeah, it just, it really helps to have them latch a move one time, and I've been thinking about this a lot, because even if you don't necessarily know why you did the move and why it succeeded that one time you did it, mm-hmm. your body does, especially as a kid who intuitively climbs most of the time. Right. By latching a move one time out of sequence, you increase your chance of doing it probably like, 50 to 100 percent yeah you know you just you massively increase your chance of success 
yeah. by being able to do it out of sequence once, maybe twice. And I feel like it also, like, um, it creates, like, a bond, like, a more stronger, like, team bond if, like, someone's literally, like, helping you mm-hmm. get into a move. That's been... It's been honestly my main job is lifting people up. Yeah. I'm really good at that cheerleader, just like up yeah. we go, the hoist. Yeah, yeah, and just holding them up there, and yeah, it's honestly one of the harder things about that. That's kind of just funny is that when you do it for a bunch of different kids in a row, you sometimes forget and get confused. So I'll I'll lift you know one of the really tiny kids up and be like, here you go, do to do. And then Porter or Nick or somebody, one you know, one of the larger kids will ask for a spot, and I'll be like ready to go and sometimes I'll mess it up the first time because I'm like whoa you're way heavier hold on hold on okay here we go here we go (laughs) boom and then you know next time it works out but I've definitely like just been like oh I was expecting you to weigh about you know 90 pounds and you weigh 150 that's different (laughs) you are my weight yeah that something that came up for me when you when you mentioned that power spot was like uh so it's like taking the focus off of like the red point. Yes. And to and putting the focus on like learning a single move. Yes. Because that's something that I noticed when I was at the red is like in the climbing community there is such a focus on sending. Mm-hmm. And I was really having fun at the red, just like work, just like climbing stuff and just like learning new moves. Mm-hmm. And just, like, getting on a lot of different terrain and just, yeah. like, getting into that, like, learning space. And I feel like it's really easy to put more emphasis on, like, well, if I get this move and I finish it, like, I didn't sin. But it's, like, no, you're you're trying to learn this move because, obviously, like, there's something here for you. Mm-hmm. So if you get through this move, like, there's a lot of learning available. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if you sin because none of these climbs, like... Hopefully, at least, you don't really have, like, a strong emotional connection to every single climb you want to get in the gym. Right. Um, and sometimes there will be that, but it's, like... But it's it's very particular, you know? It's, like, yeah. sometimes there's one climb that does that, and that's okay. But right. if you're just emotionally invested in every single climb you climb at the gym all the time, like, you're just going to be leaving the gym completely drained every single day because you've you've invested so much emotion to try and do these climbs when really, you know, it might be better to just try and work the moves, learn mm-hmm. the movement for the sake of, especially as a competition climber, hoping to maybe see that move in competition or maybe see some application of that move in competition. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe you do like a big old double gassed on span or something mm-hmm. and... You do that in one of your climbs uh, in the gym while you're training, and it's really hard for you, but you finally figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then the very same, maybe not the same move, maybe it's two, uh, it's like a compression span that Mm -hmm. you have to do in competition, but the same idea of that horizontal movement can then allow you to do that move in competition. Um, And then sometimes it's actually the same move. Sometimes you Mm -hmm. literally see the exact same move that you've seen in the gym on a wall in a comp, and you're like, oh, I can do that one. (laughs) I don't know about the rest of this, but I can do that move right there. To me, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like speaking, or trying to speak a new language. It's like you've you've heard, like, you've kind of heard close to what it is. Mm -hmm. So you like, you kind of start to put it together. It's like, you may not have done that exact move, but yeah, you've done something similar enough to where it's like, okay, like it's better than just having absolutely no idea yeah. how to do it or what to do. Yeah, it's you've like, seen things close enough that you can get a better idea in your head. Yeah, it's like this is kind of this kind of makes sense to me because I did something that was pretty similar. Like I kind of speak this language a little bit, kind of understand what's going on here. Yeah, still new, but it's like a little closer. To not comp- like it's not completely new. Yeah, I mean it's 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 almost like the difference, like you said, learning a new language. But it's the difference between learning, you know, knowing English and trying to learn Spanish, and knowing English and trying to learn Mandarin. Right. Yeah. It's a big jump. Yeah. <laughs> One is is pretty close, and yeah. you can kind of get a good idea. And there's a lot of uh, cognates, you know, words that are almost the same in both languages, and then one is. Not the same at all. Yeah. Gotta learn different alphabets. It's upside down. Yeah, like there's, it's a tonal language, which yeah. means that you know you could say the exact same word in two different tone of voices, and it could mean a different thing. And yeah, th- th- yeah, 
I, I, I feel where you're coming from with that. It, yeah. it, uh, it definitely is like if you see a climb where none of the moves look like something you've ever even seen before. Even holds, dude. Yeah. That's a big one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, learning those those new comp style holds is pretty pretty key. Dude, because I'll go even to sequence, like when I came back, mm-hmm. um, or when I go to like, uh, it's rare that I do, but one of like the um, bouldering project gyms. I love those places. So <laughs> but it's like, there's such like a learning curve sometimes to like the holds. Yeah. Like actually learning like what the holds are like. Because they can be used in a lot of different ways, but especially like dual text holds, like understanding like certain dual text holds and how they work and yeah. And like how you can use them. And like some dual text holds you can step or, or grip mm-hmm. a little bit on like, on like the non textured part of it, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like a lot of it is just, is just learning and experiencing just a hold type. Yeah. So when you see it at a comp, you're not like, what in the hell is that? Yeah, I've actually, at the Boulder Projects, I've had days where, you know, I go two days in a row, and mm-hmm. the first day, I get worked, right. and I'm yeah. super tired, and I show up the next day, and I'm like, well, today's just going to be kind of a, you know, chill day, and I get there, and I'm actually doing better the second day, because my body's kind of, like, remembered how to climb this slightly weird, technical, mm-hmm. slabby, funky style of climbing, and it, it's it's just learned, you know, I didn't have to do a lot of, like intentional thinking about it i didn't have to go home and like process all the routes individually <laughs> and be like this route was good because this this route was bad because this no like i went to sleep and i woke up and i was better at it yeah because my body just does that you know? yeah and that's what that's what our bodies do you you put it through some sort of stress and some sort of like hard you know position hard learning position where you're trying to Some learn all these like new things friction or tension. yeah and then all of a sudden you wake up the next day and you're a little bit better for it <laughs> yeah that's that's something that um i really loved about spending that time at the red because it was like every morning when i woke up i was a little bit better at climbing up there mm-hmm. no matter what it was i just felt like just little pieces were like starting to be put together starting to come into place yeah yeah Absolutely. Especially that skill of just, like, um, being with the pump. Yeah. Just, like, being super pumped, being present with how pumped you are. Yeah, and just like, being like, I'm still going to do this move exactly the same way. Yeah, yeah. Even though my arm feels like it's going to blow up. <laughs> yeah. Feels like my forearm's just going to explode and I'm going to have a stump of an arm. <laughs> yeah. But I should still try well, it the same way. <laughs> oh, and I did this move and this holds just good enough to recover. So I'm going to shake out. Yeah. I'm gonna shake out a little bit. I'm going to stay with it. But... That was that was a very interesting skill. How how do you think? Because those skills are hard to sometimes hard to replicate or practice in the gym. How, at least so we're in bouldering season right now. But what uh, with climbing outside, what do you think are some things that transfer really well to competition from climbing outside? Well, for one. Who said this? I don't remember who said it the other day, uh, but it was on... No. I think it was on Power Company stuff. Um, yeah. Just go close that door. <laughs> I got it. No. Go lay down. Go lay down. Yeah, I think it was on some episode of the Power Company, and uh, they were talking about... Ah, uh, they were talking about spray walls, which is one of the reasons I've been trying to get some spray wall push you know i've been trying to get somebody to put a spray wall somewhere mm-hmm. um but they're talking about how when you're making stuff up on a spray wall you can't go turn the whole two degrees right mm-hmm. it's it's stuck there and you have to just use it that way where it's a little uncomfortable mm-hmm. and i think that's a big skill of climbing outside that transfers to competitions is yeah it'd be rad if this crimp outside if this rock was you know turned one degree two degrees it would be a little more comfortable for you yeah Working but, with what you got. Or yeah, but it's what it's have. what you got, and you got to just do it. And I think another big skill is, you know, weird feet. You know, outside, mm-hmm. a lot of times you're using small feet. You're having to smear on, like, this little tiny crystal or this little, like, you know, garbage little 
slash in the rock, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, that's a foot. I can, I can use that. <laughs> and just like using like, like on sandstone, like not even using like a foothold, but just like smearing. Yeah, just smearing super really hard, and you're just like, smearing. yeah, I got this. Like my smears are good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a big skill that transfers well to comps because a lot of comps use that. Are, are now transitioning for sure to this like volumetric like you gotta just smear on the volume and work your leg all the way up behind your face and almost you know, like grip tape climbing mm-hmm. do just all kinds of weird nonsense with your body so if you're comfortable trusting your feet in a wide array of positions and a wide array of like hold types and hold sizes and no holds at all and stuff like mm-hmm. that I think that transfers really well yeah Plus, I think there's a confidence that comes from climbing outside. I think so, too. I think there's, there's something to be said for... Um, I really think there's something to be said lately for just coming back from climbing outside and just feeling better, you know, you just feeling feel, refreshed. I feel like I trust myself more mm-hmm. in my climb. Like, when I came back and I sport climbed at ROKC, I just felt like I just, like, trusted my, my sport climbing. Yeah, I'm just like, I know how to do this. I can, like, navigate most of the stuff in here I trust that and talking with some of the kids you know every once in a while when the kids get to go outside they come back from it and they're like yeah man like I just I feel better you know I feel like I can climb hard and I'm like well that's perfect we should go outside all the time but you know Kansas City doesn't have that opportunity so much so takes a little bit more of a travel yeah more travel it's more planning is the main thing you know Mm -hmm. Um, especially with kids you know you can't just be like hey you want to go somewhere this weekend uh, maybe I'm 14, so probably not. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah that makes sense. You know, good call, good call. <laughs> yeah. You got school and, and stuff yeah. going on. <laughs> I feel like one thing that you can take from climbing outside is, is uh, and it kind of goes with, like, the smaller holds and, like, holds not being exactly where you want them, is, um, like, being uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, kind of settling into, like, being a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think... I would I I really appreciate when a route makes me feel uncomfortable in the gym because it's something that I'm like oh man didn't like that but I'm, I'm gonna do that now probably like every day when I come in you know I find a find a route that just does not make me happy and I just make sure I do it constantly mm. yeah <laughs> so yeah because it's 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 harder it's harder to find that like imperfect like discomfort in the gym for sure mm-hmm. a lot of times it is polished it is comfy it's um it's not it's, it's not sharp yeah everything's really comfortable in the gym usually like that's what commercial gyms are for is to train in a way that's comfortable that's not going to tweak you tweak your fingers it's not going to like blow your shoulders out or anything like it's supposed to be comfortable yeah. And I really appreciate when you get the occasional route in the gym that's not super comfortable. Estefan. Yeah, man. He would always set stuff like that that you're just like, wow, like you just got to like really go for that one, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that holds like in kind of an odd spot. Yeah, that, that holds not really how I want to hold it, but okay. <laughs> but I'll do it. And it, that, that I always appreciated that with his setting was um, it was very unexpected. Like, how yeah. you ended up climbing mm-hmm. his climbs. It was, like, very, very interesting. Yeah, I really like the uh, the finals routes, uh, specifically finals number two. At um, ROKC? At ROKC, yeah, their, their comp stuff. Um, I think Cooper did a really great job of making me feel uncomfortable in the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, because I came back, and the next day I did the climb, and all I had to do was pull through that feeling of discomfort and, like, just trust that my left hand was not going to blow off this tiny crimp. Mm-hmm. And I just had to pull through that feeling until I could actually weight both of my feet instead of just one. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like, I could do this weird move. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know... Body position. Yeah, it, it really, like, goes to show that one of the big things in comps is being uncomfortable and being okay with that and mm-hmm. being like, no, I still know that in order to do this next move, I'm going to have to be kind of over this way more mm-hmm. and just doing it even though it doesn't feel right, even though it doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah, that was the thing I was picking up out in Kentucky was uh, 
curiosity within the discomfort because there were so many times where I was like so pumped or just so uncomfortable or <laughs> just like so like fear came up and I just had to like yeah. lean into like okay but like what are my options here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm terrified. What should I do about that, though? Yeah. I should probably, like, yeah, not just sit here and be afraid, though. <laughs> yeah, if I sit here, I'm just going to be more pumped, and then yeah. I'm going to be more afraid, and that's probably not helpful. So I should probably either find a rest or keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm I'm really curious about that. Um, that's been something I wanted to ask you about with the outdoors is like you know what have you found recently that has been helping in competition yeah i i think that sense of discomfort and it's it's not even from the climb necessarily now that i think about it um like the environment yeah being outside is a lot harsher especially when you're trying to climb like hard stuff outside you know and especially in the south you're you're looking for you know what what climbers call sending conditions good cunnies or whatever but dude they're brutal you know you're sitting outside and it's like 32 degrees and people think 32 degrees is not that cold but that's when you're going from your house to your job to the gym to the x place that's a building you know but when you're sitting outside and climbing you're just, on cold rock yeah you're sitting on cold rock you're climbing on cold rock there's no sun sometimes like you're just cold mm-hmm. and it's the rock is really brutal on your skin like being outside can be really, really uncomfortable just on the basis of, like, it's it's really it's really brutal to you. Mother Nature doesn't care, you know. Mother Nature, first off, this climb that she set has holds that are turned the wrong way. You know? <laughs> yeah. But second off, the, the weather outside is hard. You can't just build a gym around this rock climb so that you can keep the weather out. No, like, you want to go there when it's a good time to send it, you're going to be kind of putting yourself in a little bit of misery you know you and your Mm -hmm. friends are gonna sit there and be freezing for three or four hours while you work this climb and then you're gonna go build a fire and try and go to sleep at some point hopefully (laughs) Mm -hmm. like it's hard outside do you think the do you think that discomfort and getting more used to that outside helps with the stress of um like a competition like say like a national stage or anything like that I actually don't Um, because it's different yeah it's so different Um, I mean I've never been on a national stage necessarily but I you've been like though at like the so ill and stuff yeah I've been on like a larger stage that's pretty intense yeah and so I I don't think it transfers very well um, the stress of trying to send something outside Mm -hmm. um and I don't, I don't necessarily know why, but there's, there's definitely something to be said. Like I didn't start competition climbing, like I didn't start doing it until I started coaching, mm-hmm. and I started climbing in competitions to sort of get a better understanding of what was happening in people's heads when they were in this stressful position. Because I, you know, I talked to the kids about it, and they had either good or bad days in comps, but they couldn't really tell me what was good, what was bad. They couldn't tell me what worked, what didn't work, um, all that stuff that is, you know, good to know as a coach trying to mm-hmm. help people climb their best during competition. And so yeah, you just need, like, you just need that data. Yeah. I needed the experience for myself. So I went and I got it and I, I actually really enjoy it. I've kind of enjoyed it a lot. Um, but there's something very particular and special about like the moment of competition, like being very in the moment of competition, that's very similar to the feeling you're trying to get when you want to go on your send burn. Mm. You know, when you've worked all the moves on a climb outside that's really hard for you and you know how to do it and you're you're getting ready, you're mentally preparing and you go in for this send burn. And I think the the mentality is very similar, but it's a process that you can work on even in the gym, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing that's been helping me in the past year or so that I didn't even really realize I was doing so much, but is like perfect repeats. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually I'm going to amend that and not even say perfect repeats. I'm just going to say repeats. Mm -hmm. Um, I repeat a lot of climbs 
all the time. Sometimes I do it to show the kids a movement. Sometimes I do it to show them execution. You know, we work on all kinds of different stuff. And repeating climbs at that second tier, that's something that is hard for you, but you know you can do, mm-hmm. is hugely, I think, important. Um, getting comfortable making moves when you're not motivated is another thing that I think is big from it. Like, when I'm repeating stuff, a lot of the times I'm doing it just to get training, right? I'm just like, okay, I'm going to do this climb because it's a part of my warm-up, but it's, like, kind of hard. So you got to, like, you know, get it together, Grady, and climb the thing. And being motivated to still execute Mm. at the same high level as you do when you're are motivated for a climb, I think is a, a big skill to learn, and I'm still kind of figuring out how to teach that and transfer that. Yeah, like motivating yourself to try hard on something you necessarily maybe don't care about that much. Mm-hmm. But it's it's weird to me that that transfers to competitions, because kids care, and I mean, just in general, you know, competitors want to send the thing out there. Right. But I've noticed that the the execution that you're training when you're doing that uh-huh. has been really valuable for competition climbing because you can, you know, maybe you fall your first attempt, but you can sit there, figure out what went wrong, and then just execute and get back to the same point. Yeah. Um, some some commentator, I think, said it when I was watching a World Cup, was like, one of the things that he finds so fascinating about World Cup climbers is how once they've gotten to a certain point in a route, they almost never fall getting to that point again. You know, once you've learned how to do a certain section of route, yeah. as a World Cup climber, which I am by no means a World Cup climber, but these World Cup climbers who do this, you know, they almost never fall right. on the same move twice. Yeah. Um, unless it's like something... Like, yeah, unless it's intended to be like this, you know, crazy tricky dyno with like an easy right. part at the top or something. But right. they almost never... I should I should amend my statement and say they never they almost never fall on a move they've already done, mm-hmm. you know, and that was something that really stuck out to me with, you know, training execution as a skill, yeah, um, which is not something I necessarily thought about before, mm-hmm. but I have been thinking about like why kids struggle to get a climb after they've done all the moves, you know, that's and this is actually something a lot of people struggle with, not just the kids that I coach, but it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately because that's a major skill of mine is once I've done all the moves on a climb, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been a while since I've done all the moves on a climb and not finished it mm-hmm. like within the next attempt or two. Um, and I think training that execution is, is a big skill um, and I still don't know how to train it, but one thing I've found that I think helps is those repeats. Repeating stuff that's hard for you, and especially repeating stuff that's hard for you that you don't want to do. Mm. Yeah. Because it's that unwillingness to do it that can really train your execution when you just are like, I have to do this because it's something I know I can do. I think the, because training that unwillingness and like working through it, because there's a lot of like, it's really hard to show up like performance wise for a lot of people. And for me, sometimes when I put the pressure on myself of like, I know how to do this. I just need to do this. Mm-hmm. Like it would be a lot easier to just be like, yeah, but I don't really want to, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like pushing through that, mm. that, um, it's, it's, it's a fear. It's a thing. fear. Yeah. It's a fear of failure. Yeah. For sure. You're like, you don't want to perform because you could fail. Yeah. You don't want to try your hardest and do your best because if you do that mm-hmm. and you still fail, I mean, that's, that's scary for sure. It's a vulnerable position because if you're performing mm-hmm. at your highest level, you're also showing people like what you aren't capable of. Yeah. By, by performing at your highest level and say your highest level is V whatever, you've now shown that anything above that is you're not there yet. Yeah. And that's kind of scary for sure. Yeah. So I think that huh. trains the... I like that. Yeah. That's at least what I've noticed. For me, it's like... It gets a little bit existential sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, I'm afraid to try this now because I know exactly how to do it. 
but that doesn't mean that I have it. So it's like, mm. it's like working through that and then like being like, but I can't do this. I know how to do this. I just need to try really hard and do this. Yeah. I think it's a total fear thing. Yeah. I never, I never thought about it like that. Which, but it's funny because I, I experience it the same way everybody else does when I'm getting ready to try something hard. Um, I actually vocalize it a lot. Um, I'll say out loud to mostly myself, but sometimes the people around me like, oh man, I don't want to do this. And it's, it's, that's one of my phrases that I've used. Um, another one is like, oh, this is going to be so hard. You know, and, and saying that kind of stuff out loud has helped me a lot. Um, and I didn't even realize necessarily, but now that you say it, it makes a lot of sense. I totally, I mean, you're afraid. You're afraid when you're getting ready to climb something that you know you can do, yeah. but you know is also still going to be hard. You know you might not do. You right. know you can, but you might not. Right. It's it's a scary, but I think vocalizing, like that's something that I've noticed that you do, especially in sport climbing, yeah. that is a very helpful skill is like the voc actually, because I do it when I'm like struggling on a climb. I'll just talk through beta out loud. Mm -hmm. Like it sounds like I'm talking to my play partner, but I'm really <laughs> just talking to myself. But yeah. you do that when you're climbing sometimes and oh, you're like yeah. really tired. You're like, you got this dude. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, but that's like, that's really important because the self-talk like on the ground, just like vocalizing how you're feeling is like, you're not like hiding. Yeah. So you're starting, like, you're you're being vulnerable by not hiding, like, how you're actually feeling. So that way you're not going to hide when you're actually, like, on the climb, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. Because it's easy to be like, i got to do this, like, I'm really stressed. And just, like, not vocalize it at all. And then, yeah. like, you know, climb like that and, like, not want to, you're hiding from the start. Yeah. So then you don't show people, like, what you're capable of. Yeah. on the wall because like it's scary and vulnerable and sometimes I'll wait sometimes like I, I mean I totally have those moments where I'm like I don't want to do this because I'm scared yeah. and a lot of times I'll wait until that feeling passes mm -hmm. like I'll just sit there even if like you know if you're somebody who sets timers to like when your rest is you know complete or whatever mm -hmm. if my timer goes off and then I'm like ah, I still I'm scared I don't want to do this I'll sit there, and I won't just sit there. I'll start talking to myself out loud and be like, oh, I really don't want to do this. I'm super scared. Like, oh. And a lot of times, people are, you know, my friends around me who are like, oh, dude, you got this. And I'm like, yeah, cool, I'm not talking to any of you. <laughs> like, this, this is for me. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to have friends around you who are, like, supportive like that because um, it really does, it reminds you, like, oh, you know, this fear is, is like, unnecessary i gotta like discard it and once i discard it i can just focus on how this rock climb is going to be heinously difficult and like why am i even doing this in the first place like yeah because it's fun okay so let's just try hard and see what happens <laughs> yeah and and understanding yourself enough to figure out what you need to say and i think being having a, a place or a, a people you know, whether that's one person, a, multi a group of friends, whatever, having people um, or just a place that you like to go where you feel comfortable trying out different things that you like, you feel comfortable talking to yourself, basically, loud enough for people to hear, Yeah, I think is important, because mm -hmm. I, I only noticed it when I, uh, like, more recently, but I've been doing it for a while, you know, just talking out loud to myself before I get on a climb and it started maybe my last year of college and that was like maybe my most successful year of climbing because I finished off a couple of the projects that I had been working on for a while out mm -hmm. there in Arkansas um, and it was because I finally started feeling like really comfortable you know mm -hmm. talking to myself in front of like a group of my friends and even you know sometimes people I didn't know who were just at the crag that day but just really? being like no like this is who I am. I talk to myself sometimes to get ready for a climb. Like, yeah, nobody cares. This is my process. Yeah, this is my process. And so being willing, be, having a space or a, a, enough people or something that you feel comfortable with to test out new things in your process, I think is huge. Yeah. Because if you don't have that, you'll just sit there and you'll just be in your head the whole time. 
and, you know, maybe you'll try to say something one time and somebody makes fun of you or whatever, and all of a sudden you, you retreat from that, and you never talk about anything right. ever again, and it's, you know, you got to have that space to just try new things, to test out different pieces that you, that might work for you. Yeah. To see what works for you. Because that's, if I think about it, like, my most successful, like, on-site attempts or whatever, or just, like, attempts in general are oftentimes, like, when I've, like, talked through... Like, mm-hmm. kind of how I'm feeling, and just, like, been patient. Yeah. And gone when I feel ready. Yeah, and, like, you know, if you're sitting there thinking, ah, I don't want to do this, I'm scared, like, sit there and talk about it with people, and, you know, they'll they'll tell you, like, sometimes they'll even tell you you're dumb in, like, a kind of harsh way. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're with people that you care about, you can understand that, like, oh, like, you know, he's not trying to be a mean person to me, he's just, like... He's trying to make me understand that what I'm thinking is literally dumb right now. Like, this is just a, a thought brought on by fear, and it's stupid. And I need to let it go. And, and you, can just, you can just let it be fear. It doesn't have to have a story. Yeah, like, I'm afraid, and that's okay. Yeah. And now that I've accepted that I'm afraid, you know, it might be... It might still be there. I might still be afraid, but I've accepted it, and I'm going to move on to the next step of my process, which is like... Oh, this climbs hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, because I feel like a lot of times people will get stuck in that, like, oh, I'm really afraid of not doing well. Mm-hmm. And they'll never, they'll, they'll forget to remember that they're actually about to try something super difficult. Mm-hmm. And so they maybe don't give their best attempt when they really need to. And a lot of times, yeah, I think that's very true. And a lot of times the the initiation of, like, trying something and like really like even a, the first move that's like really hard will oftentimes wash away mm-hmm. those feelings and actually i said something the other day which i thought was it was kind of a joke but it, yeah. it's actually really true a lot of times for a lot of people slipping off the first move is a big part of the process like when you're trying something hard you like you get yourself all psyched up to do this climb but especially if the first move is really hard you can get yourself so hyped up and then just fall miserably on the first move and be like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times that I think that that really helps. It depends on the person, obviously, but I think that that can be really helpful to just be like, oh, I, this is going to be super hard. I got to, like, really get my mind together. I have an example of that, like that that pressure. Um, when Adam Andre was trying to flash um, 5... 515A, yeah, he's on... Uh, in Canada... You remember oh, that? Yeah, he, he fell on like the first move. Yeah, yeah, it was in that uh, uh, that cave that uh, what's his face has been working in. How something? How on earth is his Instagram handle? But yeah, uh, but he he flew all the way out to Canada. Yeah, he was gonna he try and flash on like the third move. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you know that that pressure sometimes needs to be dealt with by like the reality of. You can. Sl- it's like okay, you slipped. Yeah. So like that pressure of the send is off a little bit, and now you can like get it together and try yeah. it again. Well, and something similar happened in one of the World Cups recently, or maybe it was a China Open. I don't know something in um, sport. Yeah, uh, Sean McCall, um, who is a you know super strong, very veteran you know competition climber, fell on the first move. Actually, like, he didn't even make the first move. So he, like, he tried to establish on the start holds, and his foot slipped. And just, like, like barely pulled off the ground. And that was his attempt. You know, that's all you get in sport climbing. Yeah. And he then went and sent the second qualifier, scraped his way into semis with that send of number two. Yeah. And then made it to finals, and then got third place in the competition. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, like that is a perfect example. That's a of, competitor. Yeah, of like, you slipped on the first move, yeah. and all of a sudden, you don't, you don't care so much anymore, or something. I I don't know what it is. You know, you're just you're it not takes as the pressure off. Yeah, it takes the pressure off, and you're not as like hard on yourself all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And then you do super well in the comp because everything after that first slip is just gravy, right? Yeah. Everything after this moment of like complete devastation turns into like oh you know this is fun rock climbing i made it past the first move yeah rock climbing's fun yeah so yeah i think breaking through that barrier is oftentimes the really hard part it's like you have all the pieces figured out 
you just have to put them together, but it's like really, if it's really scary to like, uh, complete something. Yeah. That's such a ironic thing, isn't it? (laughs) The irony of that is insane. Yeah. It's scary to do the thing you want to do. (laughs) Yeah. To like, let it be like, you know, let yourself, it's like, let yourself be present with it. Um, that's kind of the bit. It's like letting yourself be present with it. Even if you know how to do every part, like you, you don't want to be in your head yeah, there's while a, you're climbing. Ethan Pringle um, wrote something about Jumbo Love recently. Um, about, I don't even remember. I, I can't I can't paraphrase. I just yeah. highly recommend it if anybody wants a good read about rock climbing. You know? Was it along the lines of the process of it or um it was actually about it was, it's this is related to the the completing something thing yeah about how when he finished jumbo love he was just raw yeah you know it was a very very emotional experience for him to top that climb out um so i mean anybody that's wanting to read something like a really just good read it's it's not long it's a little paragraph but he I'll he wrote a good it. yeah I'll he wrote it. a good like instagram thing and then he's got a a good video of jumbo love if you want to watch somebody climbing 15b from start to finish you know yeah i'll put a link in the yeah i'll send you send you that stuff yeah, yeah that'd be cool I, that's yeah and it's that's something i've been really focused on for myself but also talking to other people about is like if you're focused on sending like that feeling for him you know how long do you think that really lasted the feeling of completing it Mm -hmm. um so that's the thing that's really cool about this is he's talked about how he he goes back to that experience and relives it kind of and it Mm -hmm. feels the same every time but you have to go back and intentionally relive that and Mm -hmm. one of the things he talks about is how it's been a while since he's done that and it makes him feel really centered again to really Mm -hmm. experience how intense that experience was and just relive it a little bit yeah i think that's a good utilization of that that like culmination feeling Mm -hmm. it's like you're like grounding yourself in in that Mm -hmm. experience yeah and i noticed it in comps where like in between one comp and the other i'll just be reliving the, the most recent comp multiple times and kind of going over like not what necessarily I could have done better. I mean, I, I think about that sort of intellectually, mm. but a lot of times it's just sort of going, trying to figure out why, trying to remember the headspace I was in and the emotional space I was in mm. when I was failing on something that should have been easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back and like trying to not fix, but just sort of remember Mm-hmm. remember those experiences more um, mm-hmm. really ingrain them a little bit more that way hopefully they don't happen again you know and if they do they're not as foreign and you can work through them mm-hmm. you know it's like I've been yeah. here before I felt this yeah it sucks but I'm here again and <laughs> yeah I can get through this yeah feeling. I can get through it again yeah for sure yeah and that's one of those things too with people deciding not to compete mm. um oh sometimes you get to that place over and over again and you keep asking yourself do I want to do this do I want to do this and for some people eventually that answer is no it's important to listen to that and it's important to listen to it yeah like if the answer is no be done with it go do something else for a while it could be for anything like I feel like a good example of that is like having an outdoor project especially if you're like a weekend warrior Mm -hmm. it's like do I actually want this you know, like, yeah. what is this, what is my, what is my reason for wanting to do this? Yeah, and sometimes it's nice when you have that outdoor project as a weekend warrior to just spend yeah. one weekend away from it. Yeah. Even if you're in the same area, just don't get on it. Just yeah. just look at it, you know, but don't get on it. That's been like a, uh, uh, a consistent story within rock climbing. It's like people mm-hmm. that have had a long-term project oh, yeah. stopped working on it, took their friend to it to show them the moves and they send it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think that's part of like working through that wall of like putting so much pressure on yourself and taking some of that pressure off and just letting yourself yeah. climb. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you can figure out, I mean, we're all kind of trying to figure out how to take that pressure off and to just let ourselves climb. But if you can 
really figure out how to take pressure off yourself. Yeah. Especially with, like, verbal or physical cues. That's what I was going to say. Like, being honest with how you're feeling seems like a really important part of that. Yeah. And for me, I just have, like, these verbal cues that I kind of use to talk about it with myself before I get on a climb. Yeah. And it's been super helpful lately. Like, I'm scared. I'm going to have to try really hard here. Yeah. Yeah, I don't use the I'm scared one as much. Or, it's I guess it's always kind of different. It's more specific. I think I just yeah. try and be more specific than I'm scared. It's like, yeah. man, I really don't want to get up there and fall. You know, I don't want to make it past the crux and fall or something. Or whatever yeah. it is specifically that I'm actually afraid of, trying to actually vocalize that. Yeah. I think it's good to vocalize it and then work your way all the way down to just the feeling of it. Yeah, for sure. You know? It's like, this is the story that I'm telling about what I'm feeling. And then, like, working your way back. To settling into, like... Try hard mode. Yeah, like, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm feeling. But I'm still going to choose to... Yeah, I'm going to put myself through this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you're being... I mean, I think anyone that is climbing at even a moderately high level understands that climbing is super fun. But when you're trying something really hard for you, you're putting yourself through a bit of an ordeal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, you're not... It becomes, it's not less fun, it's just more of that like type 2 fun kind of thing where mm-hmm. you're, sometimes you really aren't having a lot of fun in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's like, a, it's like, I've been reading this book, um, Victor Frankl, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, but he has a second book, but okay. it talks about uh, if you're, if you were like traversing towards happiness. Happiness is actually a byproduct of yeah. an experience. Yeah. So you're if you're like trying to go for that byproduct, it's probably not going to feel like a very meaningful experience. Mm-hmm. It's like the fun and the joy of it is like almost is like a byproduct of of like really engaging with the experience. Yeah, really engaging with your process or whatever it is you need to do to get to the top or even just make progress on a certain climb in the context of climbing, you know, in the context of life, you can kind of expand that. Right. Engaging with whatever your process is to do anything. Right. I feel like we have to be careful on what we're focused on. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're focused on like, oh, I wanted this to be fun. It's like, well, let it be. Yeah. A lot of times you can get in your own way if you're if you're looking to be happy in a certain situation. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, maybe, yeah. Happiness you, is a byproduct of, like, purpose and feeling useful and that kind of stuff. And, like, really, like, going for something. Not be the right word, but yeah. Yeah, it's, like, not really worthy, but, like... Fulfilled, maybe? Yeah, it's like yeah. You're, you're, you're traversing towards something meaningful so you feel happy. Or you feel something else. Yeah. It's like, you can't, we can't like, we can't traverse towards feeling. They just are like something that happens. Yeah, they happen as a result of experience. So go for experience rather than than emotion. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's a good place to... Cut it right there. Yeah. Yeah, I feel feel like that... um, Felt like a good ending spot for sure. Yeah, is there anything that like you've been thinking about or you've been seeing like as a coach that you feel like is important for people to like kind of know or, or think about or do? Mm, I mean, I guess with the curiosity, like talk to people, ask questions. Kansas City is it's the thing that struck me most when I moved here was the the fact that people don't talk to other people that much. They don't ask. In other climbing. People. Yeah, in 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 climbing gyms. I mean, where, where I, the gym that I climbed at in Arkansas, it was just anytime a new climber would come in, we would all just be like, "Yeah, if, let us know if you have any questions." And they would ask questions a lot of the time, and uh, that was something that struck me moving here was people don't ask questions very much. Mm. It's, you know, if if you're really into it, if you're if you're trying to get better at climbing, you're probably in the gym enough to know 
who's who who could help you with something, you know, who could mm. be a good resource. Or if you're not, you could at least ask someone who might be a good resource and they can point you to someone. And mm. Yeah, I think asking questions. And this is similar to that concept of asking for help that I try and emphasize with the team. But mm-hmm. it's just... If you're new to something, you don't even know how much you don't know. Mm-hmm. So ask questions because... Sometimes you might be not even asking the right question, and somebody who knows enough could be like, "Oh, that's the wrong question. Here, follow this path." You know, like, yeah, come at it from a different angle, and then you know, all of a sudden things start to open up, and you can you know walk down this road a little bit more. Yeah, that's something that I learned uh, while in Kentucky was when you're climbing outside, especially if you don't know the people like at the crag that you're climbing at for the day, just mm-hmm. like communicate. And, like, let that be, like, your community for the day. Yeah, hey, anybody got, like, a a trio that I could join and partner up with? Yeah, I've yeah. had people do that plenty of times outside. You go outside and some dude walks up. It's like, hey, you guys climbing? Like, can I join you for the day? I'm like, yeah, hop in, dude. <laughs> yeah. No worries. Just being willing to, like, well, and being willing to share your practicing first, but being willing to share that, like, process with people mm-hmm. and be just like okay with yeah especially people you really don't know or haven't met before and stuff like that it's definitely yeah. kind of scary it's a it's a vulnerable position like we talked about yeah but it feels important yeah yeah absolutely thanks for tuning in if you guys want to check out the video of ethan pringle climbing jumbo love that's going to be in the show notes as well as the post ethan made um after the experience if you want to find more of my content you can go to condorclimbing.com Or you can find me on Instagram at condor.climbing. I appreciate you guys listening. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Love you. Bye.